We are recording. Okay, everyone, here we are with Season 2, Episode 1 of Your Next. It's Jim Narr uh, here with Troy Garrett. If you're new to our podcast, basically. Yeah, what's up? Basically, um, I'm just the older guy that's trying to pass some wisdom down to some younger people. We learned about about that term this, this past week, older. Older. Yeah, somebody didn't want to be called older. He want he's yeah. Well, I don't want to be called old. Older is better than old. Older is better than old. Older, yes. Okay. But he didn't like older. He thought it made him feel old. Side topic from Troy already. And as we continue forward, because young people, you're next. We have a very special guest in our studio today. How do you like our studio? Wait, special guest, none other than the goose. Oh, wait a minute. It's actually. Elizabeth Plum, who I've known for a few years and who Troy's known for a few years, who's uh, she is one of my favorite people. She's brilliant, phenomenally brilliant. She's a very brilliant young lady. Like, I am, I am expecting to not talk as much. Oh goodness, because she is just that great. And I call her Goose, and I guess she, yeah, but her name's Elizabeth Plum, and she goes by Lizzie or Elizabeth or mm-hmm. Goose. Anything else? I think it's funny that as soon as you guys are given a microphone, you say really nice things about me. So uh, I probably need to hand out more microphones to people. Oh wow, it's <laughs> <laughs> really funny. Was that a was that a shot at us? I don't know if it was a shot at us or a shot at the people around her because she said more microphones to the people to around the people, her. Gotcha. Yeah. So that was actually kind of a buffering shot. <laughs> that was really nice. I, I'm very, very glad to be here, if that's the introduction I get. So thank you for having me. Yeah, but we on. are honest in these episodes. So, I know. I wasn't 100%. saying you weren't. I just didn't anticipate that coming on in. So. I know, because we don't treat you that nice when yeah, we're hanging you, out. Yeah, you see me, you hug me, and then you're like, what's going on in your life? And I mean, you did nickname her Goose. That's not. That doesn't sound too... Well... She got used to it. I got used to it. I feel like So how did you feel when, you first, when he first called you Goose? I thought it was nice to be nicknamed. I thought there is like value in that. I feel like you wouldn't, if, regardless of what the nickname is, unless it's offensive, regardless of what the nickname is, if someone puts effort into giving you something that it just feels like you've bonded more to them. Um, like you only give nicknames to people you're close with or people you anticipate being around enough to use it. So I appreciated it. And it wasn't offensive, it wasn't rude, it didn't make me feel belittled. So are you going to tell perform. everybody how you got the name? Uh, <laughs> you say it better than I do, but it, from my understanding, it's based off of a Mother Goose nursery rhyme. Okay, so her name is name. Elizabeth Plum, and the first thing that comes to my mind, word association, the Mother Goose, he stuck in his thumb and pulled Not out a plum. plum. Elizabeth Goose Plum nursery rhyme. Mother Goose, Mother Goose, nursery, nursery makes perfect sense to me. T, where did where did he? Hey T, where did he? I like that. No, I like that. No, um, what? You said so he stuck in his thumb. Yeah, little Jack Horner sat in, in the, the corner, corner eating, eating his uh, curds and whey. Curds and whey. He stuck in his thumb and he pulled out a plum and something. So what did he? Where did he stick his thumb? I'm trying to figure out, like it what, was like, a pie of some sort. I don't you know, know. The more oh. we have these episodes, the more I realize how deprived you were. You don't even have Mother Goose in your life. No, we didn't. No Mother Goose. No pets. I, I had that. two he pets. Had two pets. He had a turtle and a dog. He the went turtle over he this. gave Boom. away, and he had a husky that they gave away. And that was sad when you guys ended up visiting him. That that yeah, was that a was, bummer. That was bad. For but us. no, I like appreciate the nickname because it was the first time someone gave me a nickname that wasn't based off of my middle name, and so I was like, ah. This and is what nice. is your middle name? America. So I'm used to like Miss USA or USA America. or America. That's pretty cool too. And to like her middle name is America. Wake up, America. America. <laughs> but having a nickname that wasn't based America. off of that was very uh, refreshing. So what would be a nickname for America? See, I didn't know your nickname. Your middle name was America at the time, because then it could be like, um, um, no, that wouldn't be appropriate either. Oh God! Um, if you want to talk about appropriate, we can go. I'll, we'll save that for after this. We'll talk about other people's nicknames and where we were sitting in class, and that I was not aware of. No, you were aware of it, but they definitely had the um, the grit to handle the type of comments you were making. It wasn't uh, like a. It was something that was very touchy politically, and he was uh, like, "Oh, you two are sitting next to other. That's ironic." Uh, <laughs> which ties into the kind of the topic today, because I know these two initially because. 
um, they were at a college that I was like teaching at as a professor and the dean of students. And so their entire relationship really uh, began with me, with, um, with them being students. And um, yeah, so you guys were forced, in a way, you were forced to have to figure out to, how to deal with me at least two years, right? I feel like you think you were more challenging to get along with than you actually were personally. Say that again. I think you thought you were more challenging to get along with than you actually were. Well, thank you. That's a compliment. You're welcome. Actually, what I was getting at was you were still, when you were in a college environment, you pay money to be under people whether you like them or not. This like is true. Them or not. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that's the problem with school just in general. Why? Because... You should know how to teach if I'm going to be paying for you to teach me. Good. Well, that's assuming that the person doesn't know how to teach. I feel like there are people are so dynamic, and to assume that you are the right student for every teacher and a student is right for a teacher is right for every student. If you know people are different going in, and we're all told that since we're little, everybody's different. Just be yourself. And then you go into a school environment, and you're like, your teaching style isn't working for me. That's a she, little She's brilliant. She is brilliant. So, I w- so then I would say, because I am, because I'm paying, and with the ridiculous price tag that's on school now, then maybe they should do a better job of matching a person. Okay, but so we got that's, that's assuming that a teacher is building the system that you're learning. Okay, in. so we got a couple things going on here. We got college as you see it from merely I'm paying money, but then like I'm like trying to pass on like some kind of spiritual concepts might be kind of biblical. And we got that whole thing in Luke that says where Luke six is, six it says the student is not above the teacher. Hmm. But then it goes on to a quote. See, that's the first half. I'll go to the second half in a minute. So the student's not greater than the teacher. Hmm. Well, is that just because that verse is saying the student's not greater than the teacher? It's not saying that the teacher is greater than the student. Hmm. The roles of communication and the roles of authority are different, and the hmm. roles of submission are different, but that's not a greater or lesser than thing. Hmm. I, I agree with the word authority because I use that in my – with, 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 I had to do a thesis for my master's, and, and I used authority and, and roles because and I think relationships. I think the conversation when it comes to the idea of students and teachers or mentors or peers or all these different types of inter- transactional relationships in life, you have to think of, well, why is the person here? Are they here to be sharpened or are they here just to dilly-dally? And ultimately, if you have the emotional or spiritual maturity to submit yourself for training and being equipped, then you wouldn't come into that scenario saying, oh, I'm lesser or greater. It's, no, I'm here with purpose. So the second half of that verse is everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher, which is what you're talking about, levels of equality. So I I, I tell people often and actually have maybe even preached on this idea from time to time that, that when you are – from a from a teaching perspective, the moment that you believe that you are better or greater or know more than your teacher, then you no longer need that teacher. And I, I look at it metaphorically, if you will, that not that one is better or worse, but if you don't keep that if you are under a teacher and you don't keep the teacher as the as the authority figure, say, in the teaching environment, because it's not always a classroom, is the teaching environment. Mm-hmm. And it's life itself has teaching environments. So if if you if you don't remember that that teacher is one who is teaching you because they're what they have to pass on, you haven't gained yet. Um, but when you feel equal to, then that teacher no longer has the same influence but yet the second half says everyone who is fully trained would be like their teacher so you pull things from your teacher and part of your teachers in life become who you are it's good or bad i could i'd agree with sorry Troy. i think you're gonna say something i agree with that and i think that as a student in any shape or form that would that idea and that concept would make you more aware of who do i pick as my teacher and so when we go to school 
are the teachers chosen for you or do you choose oh, the teacher? See, both. Both, but also think about, you're thinking of, I think we're talking about different forms of teachers. I think yeah, we're, on talking, purpose. we're talking about a mentorship, a life type of teacher, a teacher who's going to teach you about character and philosophies and methods where you're talking about school structure of who's teaching me math, who's teaching me English. And while those things can fall into an idea of character development and and the charging on of living life well, there's a difference between a practicing a thing to understand it, like the utilization of English and math, and there's a difference between linking up with someone and learning their methods in life. But I'm okay talking about both because, well, if you if you look at today's modern collegiate uh, system, th- th- professors are evaluated online. You can go out there and they have programs where you can actually look up a teacher at a college and hear their reviews that are left by students, whether good or whether scathing, and some students actually choose certain classes based on who the professor is but then some people go into college environments very blind and who you get is who you get and you get the most boring person in the world and you're sitting in a in a classroom trying to pay attention and it's hard to do but that teacher still somebody decided that teacher in the in the college environment or the high school environment or or any school environment someone decided that teacher had something that you were paying for yeah. But what happens when the teacher is – see, here's the flip. This is why I want to get really poke a little. What happens when the teacher – when what happens when the teacher just sucks? Did you learn anything? Booyah! You did. Because even though a teacher may suck doesn't mean you didn't learn a lesson. And I tell people often – now we go back to the philosophical part of teaching that you were focused on. I tell people often in the most negative situation – we're taught to test all things, hold fast to that which is true. So the most negative situation, you can still draw out wisdom. And at the very least, the wisdom you can get is, I'm not going to do that when I get older. Right. I think. And that's and that's, think the, that alone could be a teaching moment. I think the, that's what I'm looking for. The success of your learning depends on your posture. Whose? The teacher no, or the yours? Student. The student. Yeah. Because if you're not receptive to anything that the you The teacher own or the student only? No, I think no, I, I would, it's, it's I would say it's it's a collaborative thing. It is, that's but the whole that's the whole student teacher relationship. It's a collaborative thing whether or not you have a teacher who wants to be involved, who wants to call you out on the posture that you're bringing because I feel like you see it in the movies, you see it in the conversations. You probably know somebody who said, "Yeah, I got to talk to." All right, so are you a teacher? I think we all are. We're all are teachers you a teacher? and students simultaneously. Yeah. You're a Christian, Troy, you're a Christian? Yes. Elizabeth, you're a Christian? If that means I follow Jesus, yes. <laughs> nice. Okay, so. <laughs> nice. Which one? I, really, I really like that answer. So, so what's if one, you're talking about right, following Jesus. All right, so what's one? I'll say this real quick. The thing I love about Lizzie so much is that anytime you talk to her. She, she puts Jesus, a qualifier out there. Jesus comes out. <laughs> All right. It's just what it is. So, so one of the last things Jesus asked his followers to do was what? Make Go disciples. And make disciples. Okay, what are what's a disciple? A follower of Jesus. I would say someone following. A student. No, it's a very clear definition that's lost in our current culture. A student. A student. That's it. A student. And and what are you learning? Because because throughout the entire Bible, John the Baptist had disciples. Other people who were teaching had disciples, and the idea was to become disciples of Christ or students of Christ. And then he said, "Go out and make disciples." So there's the big challenging question that gets me, that always makes me challenge myself if I'm failing. Am I actually? Do I actually have disciples? Because disciples. In my opinion, disciples make disciples. So like whether I'm the pastor of a church or whether I'm a professor at a college or whether I'm a dean of students and and the student relationship respects me, honors me, uh, ultimately, and to me, this is where the second part of that verse, everyone who's fully trained would be like their teacher. This is where ultimately are those students taking these things into their life and using them to now teach who's behind them if you can use that analogy who's who who are they now teaching because you glean from your teacher not just for personal self but you glean from your teacher hopefully as a christian 
to be able to now pass that on, which makes you the teacher, which now you have to examine, in my opinion, how am I as a student? Am I really absorbing? Am I really bringing it in? Am I really? And now, how am I going to be as a teacher? Am I really utilizing what I've absorbed, what I've taken in, what I've learned to help others? Because one of my greatest frustrations at my age already in my late 50s, it's one of my personal, I'm not going to say anxieties, but it is something that I do sometimes dwell on too much, but but it, I'm just being honest. One of my big things is, what the flip did I get a doctorate for? If I'm, <laughs> I mean, if I sit in my office and don't share any of it, it's like it, I don't need the piece of paper on the wall. It's like, what the flip do I have it for if I'm not sharing it with someone? So there, I had my moment. So you guys can talk now. I'm so you had your moment, Jay. so Jesus, make telling us to go make disciples. Is there a level of qualification before you start go making disciples? I would say yes. I would say no. Oh yay! Um, because so for me, it's it's if this being a disciple maker is a teacher in our world, you can't teach at a certain. I don't think you can teach at any level without I, at least a master's. Well, I'm not talking about necessarily educational. There say, you go. <laughs> okay, Jim, hold your horses. Um, I would say. A qualifying thing in making students, making disciples as you're following Christ definitely looks more like, I can't teach what I don't know. And if I don't know God, how can I teach others about him? And I think that when it comes to sharing our lives, which I think is a key component in teaching, is that we have to be open and honest about what our journey with the Lord looks like and know that everything we have received for God, it's meant to be released out into every other thing. It's not, I can take all I have. I can take and take and take and take and take. Because I think, one, that's a key indicator of, okay, that's arrogance. And also, two, the gospel hasn't hit you like it's supposed to. If the gospel has hit you, it's going to resonate with you that this is no longer for me. It has come for me. It has redeemed me. It has saved me. And I am empowered to share that. But I would say that the overall all qualifying factor to be a teacher of the gospel of Christ is to know Christ and to know Christ accurately because too often I have seen in church cultures and in small group communities and I'm not naming names because I think it can happen across the board where people are immature and where people are walking out on their own ideas of what it means and who Jesus is that they've forgotten I have to go back to who Jesus is before I can speak on anything else. So wait, I want to, I want to, I want to tap in on this because I said yes and no. Um, <laughs> he said yes. <laughs> I, uh, wait, no, did I say yes? No, I said you, yes. And you he said, said yes. No. He said no. And but I then said, you no. said something, and then he started to agree with. So, but but yeah, but I, I agree with the respect. But I'm going to go on the other side of it now. The idea now now, Elizabeth. I know you've heard this from me, and I'm pretty sure Troy has heard this from me. And I and I, I get and I got the concept from the um, the the um, the book of Duke and Stone, how to think theolog- theologically, and and the um, the idea that the moment you become a Christian, it's no longer about you. You're, no, the moment you become a Christian, you are now a theologian. Oh, the yeah. question is, okay. how good of a theologian <laughs> are you going to be? In other words, now wait, wait, I'm getting there. So, so the idea that I know something about Christ, that's why I gave my life to him. So that little tiny bit now makes me go on a quest to learn more and more and more and more. So, so I'm called to make disciples, but I'm never called to stop being a disciple. So my life is going to constantly be learning. But as I'm learning, I'm going to constantly be teaching. So therefore, maybe in a professional environment, there needs to be very specific levels of qualifications of education. You see that kind of remotely in 2 Timothy where it says study to show yourself approved and Mm -hmm. it can be applied there. A worker has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. So there's levels of, of, of formal training for formal education. But as a person who is a follower of Christ... We'll use your term correctly. I follow Jesus. Um, then the moment we have the first knowledge of Him, we are now in the shoes of teaching. But we have to continue to teach. So a long time ago, when I was learning how to teach, okay, because I actually <laughs> teach how to teach, 
There's this very loose analogy, so don't don't beat me up over it. It's a, it's a very loose analogy to which I have said the same thing to. So I've had several students who um, who um, did their internship under me in the classroom, and as they were finishing their masters, and I would often share this same thing, and and the, and it helped them. But so this loose analogy is the teacher only has to be one lesson ahead of the student. The idea that the teacher is teaching the moment and don't have to dump the whole load in one session. And so the teacher oftentimes, a good teacher oftentimes will have something given to him and, and the teacher doesn't have to know that at the moment, the teacher has to stick on the topic at the moment and let the student know we can get to that down the line. This is the current topic. And so when I say, when I say yes and no to what mm-hmm. you said, Yes, when you get into formal places, as you start developing and growing, you you need your quest needs to constantly take you deeper. Otherwise, I wouldn't have completed my education with what they call an end degree. They call it an end degree, but yet I'm still in a quest to learn more. So, at the very minimum, when you become a follower of Christ, you have already something to teach to someone who doesn't have a knowledge of Christ. And I think that's the problem we have sometimes in our culture is is we're too busy f- feeding the same goldfish in the same fish pond. We're feeding, we're spitting stuff out to each other that we already have instead of realizing, wait a minute, there's people out there who don't know some things that I do know. I would interject on that because I think that there's merit to that, but I would also say that some of the people you're referring to as goldfish have been fed things inaccurately and, and so there's and a unhealthy gold no and they're that's where i was about to go and they're yeah. they're oh gosh it's i hate referring to people as goldfish why did we pick this um <laughs> but there are people well, out figure there out your own have, group. <laughs> there are people who have been taught i myself included where i've been taught methods or practices or or Christianese topics as a way to heal hearts and it leaves you empty and that is where it's like we I, I understand the stance and the demeanor and what you're saying, so I'm not saying this is about you. But there is a responsibility and accountability as a teacher because if you read in Scripture what the the responsibility and the way in which Christ corrects teachers, it should scare yeah. you to teach yeah. someone in improper methods. It yeah. should scare you the idea of damaging someone's relationship with Christ by building it off of arrogance and your own man-made understanding than actual truth. And so... It's not necessarily um, selfish for people who are within the church asking for help to to understand something accurately, and there's nothing wrong in a teacher giving focus and walking out healing with people. However, where your point was, you need to be speaking with people who are no longer there. I think there was one, um, you said this, I would assume weeks ago, because I don't know how you guys schedule out your podcast. But I think there was something that Nar mentioned in regards of quoting some pastor out in Australia where he was like, oh, well, I teach a church on Sunday, but I'm also teaching them every other day of the week when I'm out in the community because my church isn't based on a building. It's something along the lines of that, if I'm following correctly. He was saying when you go into a community, you don't just pastor the people who go to your yeah. church, you pastor the community Exactly. Well. And so it's kind of like where you go, there you are. All your skill sets, all your resources, everything that you've been laid out as truth is where... Like, that's why I think people have made the idea of evangelism. It's a big word, whatever. But honestly, all it is is saying hi to people and having conversations. Like, it is not that hard for when I'm in line at a store to just reach out and be open and honest and hey, and like noticing someone's pain or noticing someone's frustration, noticing someone's joy and being able to comment on it in a way that builds connection and hopefully you see them again. Or if you don't, at least you've left them better than you found them. And I think people are so much focused on how can I be built up for this super spiritual moment instead of realizing, like, God is still at work in the mundane and God is still at work. But in real quick, real quick. I have a question because you were talking about being a bad teacher. Like, do you learn when you're still like, do, do you learn as a student from a bad teacher? I think you can. So now my question to you is, like, if you know something, just start teaching it. 
No, so see, if this you, is the complexities of it all. I know. In, 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 in there's formal forms of education. There's there's informal. there's places that where there's informal. There's mentoring. There's having the right people around you. But then there's I submit myself intentionally to maybe a small group. I mean, we're talking about some really cool stuff that that may lead right into our second podcast where we talk about what church should like look like versus what it does look like. But but I but I got a question. Hold on, quick. But how do you? How as a new as a new Christian, when you don't know anything, how do you choose who you're gonna submit to? Because real quick, just an example, you hate the way Malachi three ten is used. Can you in most so of, I understand what you're talking about? Uh, uh, I went to Bible college, but that was years ago. Uh, it's the whole verse like about if you pay trust your God, tithes and yeah, offerings, uh, test me on this. Like, test me and see and, if I won't open the people use that gates. to say like if tithes I give, and yeah, offerings? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. If, he, like, if I give my tithes and offerings, God's going to give me something is how it's inappropriately Ooh, portrayed. That's a, that's a right, whole other right, topic. Oh, yeah. Right, that's, that's So that's what I'm saying. Topic. So that is how it's taught a, a, a lot. How is a new, a new person... Supposed to know right, so, whether. So, so wait a minute. You, you hit. They, she hit some things. You hit some things. I have a question. I, I got to get <laughs> two things before we. This is crazy with three people. This is fun. So, so you. Um, um, first of all, I have had teaching that in my life now I feel was bad teaching. And my wife and I, even still today, will look at some things and we're like, why didn't somebody teach us that in our 20s? Why do we have to wait this long? Why couldn't there somebody? How come, how come we were taught this and, and, and really it's this? And, and we've really shifted and developed our theological understanding and our spiritual well-being based on things we, we thought, man, that wasn't right. Why did we learn it that way? And But I have to remind myself, which is what I remind others, I might learn something now that I wish they'd had taught me better when I was 20, but God still used that avenue to get me to where I am today. And we don't always like that. God... God directs our path to get us to where we are any day. So here I am in my late 50s wishing someone had taught me something different in my 20s, but but that environment in my 20s is what led me to the next place, to the next place, to the next place of my quest. So that's one thing I wanted to touch on. But then you said something about evangelism, and I'm curious how you, how you used evangelism, and I'm not sure if I missed something, but... But but the idea of the word evangelism itself is preaching the gospel. So while I do agree that there's um, there's I call it the ocular gospel. It's something that meaning what you see, um, and and there's and there's the whole idea of um, of um, at all times preach the gospel at all times um, preach the gospel and um, sometimes use words. Speak. And 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 so. So, it's a quote from some guy. Well, they, I was they, trying to figure they, out who it was. They attribute, to, they, they attribute it to, um, to um, um, yeah, I knew the name. I was just going to throw it out there, too. You can look it Saint up. Saint um, but anyways, um, it's often misquoted. But the whole idea that um, what we say and what we do reflects Christ, so that's a form of the gospel. But I also believe that there's more to it than I say hi. Yes, I say hi to people. I, I, yes. I reach out to people. I've even prayed for strangers, including servers, I, who wanted me to because they. I took the time to just talk to them. In Saint that context, Francis of Assisi, that's yes. what it was. Yes. Uh, in that context, yes. When I'm saying evangelism, I'm not referring to crusades or when I'm saying... It's probably a, a it's probably a poor use of the word, in my opinion, and I used it. But at the same time, what I am saying is... You cannot assist people you do not know. You cannot be there for someone. Like, you can be there for someone in a moment, and that can be a beautiful thing. But something that does transcend even further is when it they become family, when they become friends, when you know their concerns and their issues and you're willing to stand with them. That is something that I think is so vital because, like, that is what I see as being a true disciple of Christ. It, Jesus was the present God. Jesus is the present God. He's with me and he's for me and he has not left me. He does not forsake me. And I think, granted, I just said me a whole lot, um, but 
when we look like God, it looks like being there for people. And that's that's my interpretation oh, of I, it in the 23 okay years of life that. that I'm with. So it was probably a poor use of my word of evangelism, but I think I have to bring people me as I'm navigating being near Jesus. Because it's not on, it's not my ability to make someone know Jesus. God's already done it. It's just well, having the conversation and living the life that backs I'm gonna, it. I'm going to say yes and no. I agree 100% with the building of relationships. I don't believe in the whole idea of bring people to church so that they get saved. I do not believe in that concept in any way, shape, or form. To me, church is meant for the believers to come and worship God together. And if the unbeliever is there and happens to be encouraged and moved in their heart by what God's saying to them and they decide to follow. God, that's great. So I agree with the whole part about I, I build relationship and trust and, and the idea of people don't care what you know until they know that you care. But at some point, we still have to say, oh, by the way, um, do you know Jesus? They might think they do, or they might be wanting to know more about us and it comes out. And I also believe that we don't get anybody saved. And at the best, the very best, the best we can remember is people respond to God, not me. So no matter how much I talk to a person, no matter how much I get to know a person, no matter how much I share my faith, at the end of the day, they're never responding to me. God's already talking to their heart. So if if God is doing it. I have two thoughts. Keep going. So if God is doing it, what's the responsibility on us? Like if I can't change somebody anyway, what's my responsibility as a disciple It's an active faith. So are you the student or are you the teacher? You're both yeah but it's an active faith to speak out on what you know from christ and that makes you the teacher at that point in that moment but you're not the source but so i'm saying like, how do you know how when you read those scriptures that's that are supposed to scare you how how do you read those scriptures which one you mean the one that says uh i really not like many the should one become in, teachers uh for uh the one who teaches will be judged with greater strictness that's in james i like the one in, in uh ezekiel that which, we which, that we oh you mean the, about the, the shepherd yeah like if you oh do, that's if heavy. you're shepherding that wrong then you like you Wait, get your head you cut off huh look can it up the look up the me so that I'm one. on the same page there's a whole lot of verses in the Bible guys I can't I don't Ooh, know all of them off the top he doesn't of have his Bible with him I do does he oh I do. Ezekiel you should know exactly shepherd. where it is. It, I highlighted. I highlighted. I highlight. I better get to the microphone. I highlighted this years ago. It was taught to me, and it's probably one of the most scariest things that you'll ever find. Is now we're talking about pastoring, which is even a higher to me, which is even a higher yet level of teaching people. And it's the whole Ezekiel thirty-four, where it says, um, and I'm reading now. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting at verse 7, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Be surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals and become my shepherds. Uh, and because my shepherds did not search for my flock but cared for themselves rather than for my flock. Therefore, shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. That's pretty heavy duty that, that as a shepherd we teach and, and, and that my the idea that I better make sure that I'm not using the people I teach for personal comfort and gain. And yet we know we see that stuff sometimes. I have two thoughts. First thought in response to Troy's question from probably five to eight minutes ago was how do you differentiate of like finding an accurate teacher? I think there's two components of that is one, are you actually within a place in which a resource of a teacher is available? And two, that we have to be trusting and leaning into prayer and God and just trusting that he's surrounding us with the right step. I think whenever I've reflected on making decisions, whether it was Bible college or actual college. Sorry, Bible college is actual college. Um, <laughs> shots. Not bad. all. My not bad. all of my them. Bad. Shots. I, they're all okay. Okay, that's a totally different thing. Let me finish my thought, and then we can go about how I just roasted an entire demographic of school. Um, sorry, not sorry. Um, sorry, not sorry. I like that one. I'm not. I, I went there. I did that. I bought the T-shirt. I was given multiple T-shirts. I wore a lot of T-shirts. 
and I really don't like printed t-shirts unless they're like bands. Anyway, this is not the point. Troy had a question saying, how, do you, how do you determine a teacher in the time of when you're a student, when you're a new follower of Christ, when you're trying to navigate this Christian walk, how do you do this? I would say it's it's believing that God is big enough to have a resource within your reach and it's also, are you going in the word to know the criteria of it? I really, I got this this wisdom years ago. Like, first off, I grew up in church. That's a part of my story. I know that's not everyone's story. Sometimes I'm thankful for it. Sometimes I'm not. It varies, but I can't change it. But one of those things is really being able to look at the environment I'm in and looking at the state of my heart. And if I can see the fruit of the spirits, I say I'm good to go. And so... When it comes to my heart approaching God's word, am I being patient with it? Am I holding self-control of myself with it? Am I being kind in the way I'm approaching who God is? And we were talking about posture and that falls in line with it. When you're talking about picking a teacher because we do have that authority over ourselves of who do we submit our lives to, sometimes the Lord can lay it out and spell it in the sand for us. That is not always the case. So when it comes down to our own understanding of it and we're submitted to God's word and then we're looking at teachers I would say the only question that is actually valuable is what do they believe at the end of the day? Are they willing to share their story? And does their actions in life reflect the fruit of the spirits? Because if those three things are solid, you're probably okay. But most people, you don't need to go to Bible college to, to deepen your relationship with the Lord. And I think some people, myself included, were under a, the idea that, that that's how you go. That's what you do. You've, I've served in church this much time. I've done this. This is the next step. This is the next check in, checks in the box and or check in the box. But that's not always the case. So I would say that's the criteria in which if I can build any criteria, I'm only one person. And I think God can work in mysterious and wonderful ways. And he does whether or not I say something on it is that do they line up with the fruits of the spirit? Are they willing and humble enough to teach and share what they do and do not know? And are you already resourcing yourself and submitting to Christ? Because if that's the case, I don't see how you can go wrong. And so... I also have another thought, but that was just to address your question from five to eight minutes ago. And so on that particular thought, um, I do agree way too many people go to Bible college for the wrong reasons. And I think sometimes it... I'm not saying all the time, but I do think sometimes... It's manipulation from a higher level in someone's life, and I think that's a scary thing. Ooh, you just and, hit a word that falls in line um, with my next question. There, and 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 so, and and so, um, I have seen many people, um, sadly, who come and talk with me who feel very uh, almost misled or deceived or just plain just plain pissed off that they didn't get anything out of they didn't get out of Bible college what they thought they were going into it for and so Bible college to me like any college um, it has to have in my opinion there has to be um, goals attainable goals associated with why I do it so like even every bit of my education even though I use it in different platforms right now, I went into them with this, with an end goal in mind. My, my whole doctorate was because I was working at a college. Mm-hmm. It was just like, well, at this level, it's it's the right thing to do. It's just it just is. Or as you know, as a, a dean of students accredited Bible college, it's it was the right thing to do. A teaching a faculty professor. So, but in the process, I learned some things that continue to develop my theology, change my mind on some stuff, and ultimately, I'm not there anymore. But I have to realize that even though I'm not there anymore, everything I got in my education for a previous destination has has merit and value for where God has me now. I have two thoughts. Um, again, I had one and then he talked, so I built another one. Um, That's usually how this thing goes. Yeah, I can tell. Um, all the bunny trails. My thought for Bible college, so I'm going I'm to hold off on the manipulation one. My thought towards Bible college is I think the beautiful thing about living life in general is sometimes we get so focused on where we're currently at And don't get me wrong, you should absolutely be present and invested in where you're currently at. But sometimes we think that where we're at is the end goal. 
And so with that, we don't realize that, okay, there's a bigger thing at play. Like, I did not want to go to Bible college, and I did because I believed it was the right thing for me. Did I believe it was the right thing for me? Doesn't really matter how I got there. But then as I was in the middle of it and still emotionally going through turmoil and spiritual turmoil of what does this mean in navigating life and choices and, and things with family and relationships, what is all of this? And realizing, like, this is not the end-all be-all, but also really plugging in of, oh, this is not, this isn't it. Like, I'm God's not having me at Bible college to go be a pastor or something, because some people will definitely go for that. And if it works out for you, kumbaya, great. And some definitely don't belong in that. <laughs> and so, oh gosh, I, that's, I feel like that's... Belong in what? Pastoring. Okay, I'm right, finishing cool. my sentence. Um, <laughs> so I would say that realizing the bigger picture sometimes where you are is not where you're meant to be and realizing that God is big enough to position you for the next thing. Had I not gone to Bible college, I would not have choose, chosen the the school that I did go to following it. Had I not done that school, I would not have pursued an internship with another place. Had I not done that internship, I wouldn't have the job that I'm currently in. And I know that the job that I'm currently in is not the end all be all, but it's seeing that God is big enough to do a setup. Leading you, oh, and, set up, oh, I love that. And God is big <laughs> enough to do set up things and to not, as much as I could rat on some of my Bible college experiences, I feel like life is too beautiful and too short to go into that a lot of time. And so it's kind of like, okay, I've seen practices that from teachers that I do not want to do and do not want to say, that's not Jim. Um, but I've seen practices from students, from teachers, from methods, from interactions that I'm like, okay, what I've learned about this environment is that's not me. So what is? And really getting geared towards the next thing and then going from an, in another college being like, okay, that's not me, so what is? And just having a lot of the Lord shedding things off in a way, way that prepares me for what is next, which I think is kind of funny that falls in line with what the name of this podcast is, is that we, we cannot hold so tightly to where we are at that we're not releasing it to allow God to do a new thing. And we have we see in scripture that God says, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. So why are we living off of old revelation? Why are we living off of old things that were done? There's value in it. There's faith building in that. There's there's things that have sown into our lives for the glory of God, but it, we still have to believe and grow with our faith that even though God has done so much and is so good to me, he's still able to do a new thing. Yeah. A friend of mine preached many years ago. I love it. And it, it's all a setup. And I'll never forget that sermon, and I've used it. it. It's his, but I've used it. And when you said that, it reminded me. You're right. If we every everything once we're a Christian, God, it's just a setup. It's just a setup for where we're going next, which is kind of kind of cool sometimes. But but before we go further, what do you mean by setup? Because some people in their context, setup means. Oh, you got me. Like, yeah, isn't that funny? I think I'd like that idea. I mean, no, think, so, no, I feel like no, no. But what I like, mean oh, is, oh, you got me, God. No. <laughs> but I don't mean it in a negative. I know That's what you're what, saying. I know. So, but to me, because of the relationship I have with God, it can be comical. Like, oh, you got me again, God. But I know what you mean about the the negative, uh, deceiving side of the setup. I get that. So, I don't think so God's when did you? When did you? When did you learn that it's a? When did you learn not to be so focused on the now? I still learn it I think at this age. It doesn't go away, but in in reference to what I was talking about, I told you I did not want to go to Bible college. I The fact that I ended up going there, I went into interviews for Bible college and was like, I'm going to ask them every hard question possible. And I did, and their answers were miserable. And I was like, I'm not doing this. And it kept lining up to go. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go here. I don't want to do school in general. And I still ended up going, not because my heart changed to be like, yes, Lord, I'm in it all for you. I'm going to do it. It was because it's lining up too much for it not to be happening. And it was annoying. I was so irritated. I was like, I don't want to go to Bible college. I don't want to do this Christianese thing. I don't want to be around these people. I was very intentional. And, and this is kind of a negative thing. I was very intentional my first semester in Bible college that I was not making friends. I was like, I'm not making friends because next semester, half of them aren't going to be here. And they weren't. I was like, I'm, I look back and I'm like, I should have been friendly because the Bible says those who show themselves friendly will have friends. But I was like, I don't want to be friends because I'm a long-term friend. I like... 
I love friendship so much that I didn't want to sew into friends who I knew who were going to be so hurt and good. so broken that they were not going to stay. And that was me trying to guard myself and my sister and my family were like, Lizzie, why aren't you hanging out with people from Bible I'm like, because they're all the same and they're all going to leave in like three months. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out if, was I one of those people that left? Was no. that that was that that semester that I left? No, I don't know, Trey. You were you were in and out of it. I didn't, but we were still friends because we were right. friends before that happened. Right. So that you didn't fall into that category. I meant for people who were coming in and out. Yeah, no, no. I was just and I was just like, wondering if that was because part of my story is just I went to Bible college. You took and the slow I, train. But at I'm, the same, I'm, I'm still on the slow train. <laughs> the that process for me was like, this is not the end all be all. God is positioning me. He's always positioning. Even if I decided I'm not doing Bible college, that's God is still able to work in that. And I think too often people discount the ability of the Lord to work in what we consider mistakes. Here's 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 a here's a curveball question because we talk about you I know still have a statement to say in regard to manipulation. <laughs> We're gonna get to manipulation. Uh! That might fit in the podcast with what church ought to be. Well, anyways, that's different. Oh, we're, anyway, so here's the curveball question because the whole student not greater than teacher, et cetera, et cetera, and getting to the to uh, attain the same level of a teacher, et cetera. So, so um, I, in a teaching environment, whether pastoring or professor or mentoring, I don't think enough teachers say what I'm about to say. In my opinion, I don't think enough teachers say what I'm about to say. And that would be. <laughs> I learn from my students. I think people say I think good teachers say that. I think I've heard teachers say that before. I think it's really funny because me, and, me and Troy just raced to the mic to speak first, and I won. Um, <laughs> but I think good teachers are going to be the ones – like I think teaching comes down to humility and not often do we see that. We see people racking up these statuses of what it means to teach. They're like, oh, I've been credentialed by this, therefore I have something worthwhile. And it's like, no, you just regurgitated information at that level, to be honest. You just regurgitated information at that level in a way, in a format in which your teacher wanted. There's nothing wrong with that. There's there's value to that. It actually is such a great tool in the the culture and the time, set, and the time we're in and the value that they have for, for degrees. However, the idea of college is just learning in a formalized structure and it's no different from learning in an informal structure it's it's you're still learning ultimately if you're still learning that's great you're still being positioned for the next thing because not everyone is meant to do things the same way that idea has really polluted our society and has really cut off creativity and individualism to to create new things and to embrace different ways of life and so i think when we're talking about teacher and student, we have to remember that that doesn't always look like the formal setting. And people who have humble teachers are really, really fortunate because you're actually going to walk away with, you're not going to walk away with, oh, I don't want to do that. You're going to walk away with, I feel charged, empowered, and enabled to do the best I possibly can in life. (laughs) You're silent? Joy is silent. This is amazing. Elizabeth always silences me because she i it it she's what what's one thing i used to like saying a lot to my students do we, any of you remember you said flexibility 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 no but there's something else the meta narrative no oh. when students always asked me well what do you think yeah, students would ask me, well, wh- um, what's your opinion on this? Where do you stand in this? And my response was... What do you think? They didn't hear you. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I think we have assumed that like, just because you're a student doesn't mean you don't know anything. You may know little. You may not know much. You may know that you don't know. And that's an important place to start because I think humility is a necessary thing for both students and teachers. Because if you're not humble you're not going to be able to acknowledge what you do not know. And the point of being with a student and a teacher is to walk away knowing something you did not know before. And sometimes when I tell the student, well, what do you think? I actually learned something. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I'm- you said you said the, the, you said part of being a teacher. I said the purpose. The purpose of being a teacher 
is with a student teacher relationship is to walk away knowing something you did not know before. And that's for both teacher, this teacher, the teacher and student. Well, or are you talking about I this? I think the classroom. I if think we're it going could there, be both because a teacher can walk away of oh, this style of teaching worked, yeah. this style of teaching didn't work. The classroom is always game. a learning environment. Yeah, I, for for both for everyone. Again, if a teacher right. isn't continuously learning whether or not from – because a teacher can walk away from something if a student asks a question and the teacher doesn't know. They've learned, oh, I don't know something. I need to learn to equip myself for the next teaching session. You're both walking away with something you did not know before. I just learn sometimes how to deal with people better. The, uh, if we're if we're in a, a If we're in a, 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 a controlled classroom environment – you deal with so many different personalities. Um, I've stuck my foot into my mouth so many times and went, ooh, ah, mm, I got to be more sensitive in situations and understand people better. And and, and that's okay to say. Um, what? So, so, all right, I know for sure Elizabeth will know this. Troy won't. But the end of the semester rolls around. What were my two favorite forms of final exams and why? Your two favorite forms of final exam? Yeah, exams? final exam in one of my classes. I had two. You had open book. Why? Because all the information was there if they actually were in class and wrote down the notes and, actually, and like, the, the textbook. All the information was there. So, good. That's probably what I told you in the classroom. <laughs> By the way, I also hate open book you hate test. mine i hate why do you hate test. mine mine or mine they were easy no the reason the re- so i'll say your the very reason you said i didn't like i, I didn't read it and so if i didn't know Ooh. where it was my, then it's torturous yeah. because i'm like the answer is in here somewhere and i it, don't know what it is i think it's a very revealing thing to a student of you literally have the resource and you don't know yeah now you hit my reason why because you i would say that in the class oh, no i know i said I, I told you the first time i says you you just quoted what i probably said but what i didn't say on purpose which i would tell people later if they ask if you if i have an open book test one it ain't easy you're going to do some searching because one it's either in your notes or in something that you've hand, got hand out or it's in a book i've even had people get miss like one question they wanted a, a perfect score and they swore it wasn't in the book and i found it for them but my point being is this i'd rather as a cheat as a teacher i would much rather not have a student just memorize things for the sake of memorizing but but have a student who knows where to find it later in life that they can go wait a minute I remember, the, yeah, this book, yeah, and it, it's in cl- and and have them go. I can find it later, not I can just quote something off memory. Again, that's where you look at degrees now, and it's the regurgitation of information that they're asked to study. And then the second thing I used to do was the verbal one, one that you're going to say, where you. But I don't feel like you only did a verbal exam once, and that was just for the the books of the Bible. No, the other one was was. You're going to have a you're going to have some sort of um, actual um, practicum, and I would have you put into like I did it. I did it almost all the time for for um, church planting, and I did it all the time for um, foundations of Christian worship. Yes, where I said, well, foundation of Christian worship. All right, class. Now you guys are going to put on an entire service, and you're going to be graded. On oh, I didn't what you do learned. that one. And I did then, that one. And then you did that one? How'd you feel about that one? Like your whole test was, what? how did your team do? Right. I The only thing I remember is that I didn't have a choice in what my part to play was. Oh, that's a good my, one. When we my, get into the church discussion, that's a good topic. My, I didn't always have group, a choice of the part I had to play. <laughs> immediately, my group was like... I just think of t-shirts. I just think you're saying, like, as soon as you're like, I, I don't have a part to play, he's like, "Are you? A, well, we're a blue shirt team, and then you have a nice red shirt, and the red shirt works for you, but we're a blue shirt team. I'm just team. saying, I still wear those shirts. Did those I shirts are you very that? comfortable. You taught us that I in class. So. <laughs> those shirts are very When I comfortable. think of you don't get to pick what you're doing, it's like, well, I've always sung on stage. I've always done this thing. You're like, well, you're red shirt's nice but we're a blue shirt team <laughs> and we have a need here so if you want to do that you can if you don't sorry. go to the red shirt team <laughs> it's a whole no- we'll get to that on another so topic maybe on when we talk about what church are we could turning be this better. into two podcasts because at this point i think we're an hour in are we she's pretty we're, sharp we're close to an hour in okay well we have a second podcast which we can you know so make a statement for me you had a statement or i just yeah. 
Man, I don't remember. Her that. and I have really closed you down. This is not good. I told you from the beginning I'm not going to be talking that much. We need her more it's often. Funny. We need her all the time. So, Troy, as much as you're opposed to it, I have had it. Well, um, well, what? What, I'm about to tell you something. No, what did you say? As much as you're, thank you. As, opposed. Thank you. As much as you're opposed to it, I have had at least four different people contact me who, who listens to our podcast regularly and said, why did you stop with the pony stories? That wasn't. I didn't say don't do any more. You said pony no stories. more. I'm no. tired of the pony. I thought no. that was. I thought okay, that was first off, Amy. Hold on, Amy did not say that. Let's not. Maybe I did she say will that. listen to that. This and I do not want her to think that she's going to be sitting in car being like, I did not Wait. say that. I said for when I come on this podcast, please do not tell a pony story. Please tell a Bible college story. That was the request. <laughs> no, he has said it to me before. I think oh, no I did more, say no more pony yeah, stories. Yeah, no, he okay, did. Amy, just know that I got your back that. and... No, he said it on recording. Now you said it on recording. You said it around the campfire. I said at the campfire and I said for when I come on the podcast, see, I didn't please call you don't out. tell the pony story. Tell a Bible college story. Like it wasn't intentional being like the pony stories suck. Don't tell them. It was... I would prefer that while I'm here, you do a story. Hey, you off didn't of curse. Is that is that as close as you're going to get? What did I just say? You said that sucks. That's not a curse word. Oh, okay, very good. I just checking. So in some in some uh, circles, it is like my parents hate that word. So is it supposed to be a I funny Bible? St- <laughs> is it supposed to be a final? Bo- is it is it a funny Bible story you're supposed to? It's have? up to you, and it, I just think it'd be interesting for you to show. Um, the different tiers of environments you've been in. Mm, she's so deep, isn't she? Down and up, I'm down just and saying up. she got deep off of the question, what did you think of the nickname Goose? Very good. Oh, like immediately she was, I was like, yeah, I know I'm not going to be talking much this, this <laughs> podcast. Very good. I said, what do you think about the nickname Goose? And I learned a lesson. So it's not Stop a it. it's not a funny story, but it's just who I am, and it fits into the Bible college story. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna preface it with this. So tomorrow is Father's Day on this particular recording. So it'll be Father's Day will be gone when you listen to it. But just think back. So my family knows that on every Father's Day, my best my my most favorite. Father's Day present, they'll tell you, is I as I as I put on my my long denim apron and I cook this huge cookout for my family. And that's like the best Father's Day gift they can give me that they let me cook for them. And they enjoy it because I happen to you've been to my house, you've been to my house. I yep. cook I, I grow pretty good. You've confessed you before. Good food. Yeah. So 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 the Enjoy. idea that I like doing that, so at this go to the college. Mm-hmm. I was responsible for a certain item that sat on the deck be- between the two classrooms. The grill. The grill, which sadly the grill doesn't get used anymore. I used to take. Oh, I used to. Right to the heart. I used to love being able to, to whether hot dog day or or, or burger day or, or Constitution day or on Constitution day and just just cook. And let the students have zero, re- the like, the most responsibility would be like, uh, could you just move this table for me? Like, no, I'm going to cook for you. Just come out and just, and just, let's That's just hang times. out. The best time was at conference and you took care of the food. Oh, I, mm. I went to town on food. Yeah, you did. I love food. And um, food is amazing. So yeah, my college, my favorite Constitution Day, whatever whatever reason I could have to, to turn on the grill and have all that nice, savoring, uh, smoky food smell drifting into the classrooms, drifting into the back door of the college where people, you know, the, the people, students miles away would know, oh, it's time to flock there. And people not associated with college were trying to find every excuse to get back there. And it was just a cool time to hang out and watch people just drop their inhibitions and what I'm taking away from this conversation and this story is that Jim's taking us out to lunch because I am now hungry. <laughs> I say he cooks for us. Ah, uh, that's a long. That's a lot of time. Uh. <laughs> Next week, you still haven't taken me to Aberdeen uh, Steakhouse, whatever that What's place is Aberdeen called. Barn? You mean? Bar- Aberdeen Barn. Aberdeen I was about to say Barn. Aberdeen well, Garden. Oysters or not? Oh, I love their raw oysters. Their raw oysters are are the bomb. That's a good story. I liked. I think that not many people see like 
service. That's, it's not service. I just think in an opportunity, you could have just catered. In an opportunity, you could have just been like, all right, we're all going to have lunch. But there's value in saying, I enjoy doing this. And I want you all to enjoy my efforts here. And I want to serve you in this capacity. I think not many people do that in ways in which they don't have to or in ways in which they haven't built up to. It was very just a common thing for you, and I think that's very valuable. So one time there's this pony, and we'll talk about it later. <laughs> I just got the I got the sideward glance look. It was so funny. All right, Troy, you can close this one out. All right, guys. Uh, I absolutely love having Elizabeth here. Hopefully you do too. She's all right, you know. Um, it was an okay experience, I, mean, it doesn't, I guess. I mean, we'll give her another I mean, shot. It really doesn't matter because she's going to be on another episode. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. I hit the wrong button. <laughs>